Welcome to Emil Franzing's Voices of the West, dedicated to the principle that America was better off when our TV shows featured cowboys instead of lawyers. And a very pleasant good Saturday afternoon to you, uh, one and all. It's Harry Alexander, Bunker to France, and Todd Roberts with another edition of Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. Yes, indeed. Todd, are you there? I am here. <laughs> That's Todd. <laughs> He's there. Uh, today's program is um, it's, it's, this is going to be a cool one. We're going yes. to answer the uh, hopefully answer the age old question of why cowboys uh, why cows need cowboys mm. and uh, yeah. This is a uh, this is a new uh, anthology for young readers, and uh, it's produced by the Western Writers of America. And uh, Nancy Plain and Rocky Gibbons uh, are the editors of that. We'll be having them on shortly here. But first, some housekeeping. A little housekeeping. I want to uh, bring up some attention a couple of things that are going on in Tucson and around the state that I think are worthwhile. And for those that love the West and the history. Uh, up in uh, Wickenburg, there is the Desert Caballeros Western Museum Cowgirl uh, up exhibit in sale. That's till the end of the month. Uh, if you've never been up there, it's great because you get to see a lot of really wonderful Western art, all done by, and I'd say 99.8% of them are real cowboy, uh, cowgirls, cowboys, and they're the other 2%. I've been around it long enough that they know damn well what they're doing. And Wickenburg is a cool cowboy city it anyway. Is, it is. And if you want to look up some information on it, go to westernmuseum.org. The other thing is that this is, this is a special one for me. It's Western Spirit, Scottsdale's Museum of the Western Exib- Exhibition, Maynard Nixon's American West, and that's Ooh. on till the end of the West. Nice. And I love Maynard Nixon, and nobody can paint clouds like Maynard Nixon. <laughs> Uh, I mean, well, Charlie Russell can, and okay. Duncan Remington, and a whole <laughs> bunch of other guys, but he really does good clouds. And if you want to look up more information, again, that's till the end of the month, and just go to scottsdalemuseumwest.org. Now, here in Tucson, this is an interesting thing that uh, all you folks that don't live in Tucson can participate in. It's the second... Six, 62nd, 76th, 62nd. And you make your living with this mouth. No, I don't. <laughs> it's the 62nd annual Arizona History Convention, all virtual. I hate, ah, yes. I hate that, that all virtual. I don't, I'd rather see real people. Well, Anyhow, it's, it's going on here in Tucson from the 20th through the 24th. And this year's theme is Advocating for Change, Navigating Crisis. Panelists will present papers and host panels on change makers from Arizona's past. And if you want to look it up on the on the, the website there, that's ArizonaHistory.org. And that's all of that. Now, there's one last piece of local business. Okay. Uh, recently, we lost uh, a icon of the West, Wynn Bundy. Uh, Wilcox lady, a rancher, she opened up a little bookstore just a little bit north of Wilcox. Western, some one of the best sources for Western uh, books, material, information, and pro- I would say probably any Western writer of America uh, that passed through that area stopped and visited with them, mm-hmm. sat down with a cup of coffee and mm-hmm. talked books. But anyhow, we lost her, uh, her and her husband. 
They bought the place in 56. They opened it up. It was the Singing Wind Ranch, and it was a delight to visit and a delight to visit with her. And now, speaking of delights. Well, and speaking of delights, I'm going to uh, do a, a, a public thank you here. Oh, that's good. Uh, to to uh, our good friend Bird Moss, who made a really, really cool, really cool watch fob uh, for me here. And it's on one side, it's got a saguaro cactus, uh, which is kind of uh, mirrors our uh, Voices of the West logo. And on the other side, we've got the uh, the, the bucking uh, saddle bronc rider from uh, was that a Wyoming Wyoming, uh, Wyoming license plate. So bucked right off of the Wyoming. Uh, so thank you, th- thank you very much, Bird. And um, I'm, no, we will see you soon at our favorite KGs. I saw him Friday. Well, I wasn't there Friday because I, I had to do other stupid things. Yeah, right. Anyway, let's <laughs> talk with uh, Nancy Plain and Rocky Gibbons. Ladies, welcome to Voices of the West. And thanks for putting up. Hi, thanks for having us. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. All right. We're delighted to be here. This is a way cool project. Uh, as Amazon uh, says here, welcome to Western Writers of America's first anthology for young readers. In this collection of true tales of the West, we leave textbook history in the rearview mirror and take you on a tour of 20 seldom told dramas. The kind you might stumble across only if you leave the main road to wander the detours and byways of the American story. Here you'll meet extraordinary characters, from a young buffalo hunter of prehistoric times to riders for the Pony Express, the first African-American female stagecoach driver, and the Navajo code talkers of World War II. Did you know that in 1821, a Plains Indian girl trekked 1,400 miles to visit Washington, D.C.? Bet you didn't. Or that two brave children, 8 and 10 years old, took part in the Texas Revolution? Actually, I knew that because I read the book. Well, there you go. Tales in this anthology range wide in time, topic, and mood, yet all celebrate a spirit that is uniquely Western. And uh, it is uh, Nancy and Rocky who edited this compilation of uh, of stories. And uh, who wants? To, which one of you ladies want to go? They f- both contributed. And you, yes, you did contribute uh, as well. Let, let's talk about Nancy. Let's talk about how this project came to be. Well. Um, First of all, it's very exciting. Rocky and I had just a ball putting this together, selecting the writers. They're all WWA members, award-winning writers, um, with just a really wide range of expertise. And we, this goes to our mission at WWA, which is to promote the literature of the West, Mm -hmm. love of reading about the West, Mm -hmm. and loving Western history. And you know, we want to we want to get the kids. We want to get the young audience, and so we had the idea to pitch this anthology, um, the first, as you said, of um, WWA's first anthology for young kids. And um, we really want to thank Two Dot for making this happen. Two yeah. Dot Publishers have been wonderful to work with, um, and they've just it, their the book is illustrated with a fantastic photographs of historical photographs and um you know the stories we love and and we we really wanted to feature the seldom told as you can tell in the mm-hmm. title because it's kind of um you know history sometimes gets a bad rap by kids who they're just told to memorize dates right. and read textbooks and 
for us, um, and I, I know Rahi and really all the members feel this way, it's really all about the story. And, mm. and history is great, and mm-hmm. it's fun and exciting and sometimes incredibly tragic. And But it's all all about the story. And if kids can look at it that way, um, we figure, you know, we've done our job, and we've that's what we really want to convey. And, and you know, you mentioned the wide range um, in time and theme. And, you know, it, it, our first, our oldest story in time is from a Buffalo Jump of 500 BC. Right. Wow. And the latest is Rocky's story, which takes place in 2013. It's a great and, story. And, um, Rocky, I, I wonder if you want to talk about that because it's of incredible. Of course she does. Of course she does. I want yeah. to hear about it. That, that's my... go, go for it. You want me to talk about it now? Okay. Yes. <laughs> well, um, I'd like to say hello to everybody in Tucson because I grew up just north of there in Mammoth. Yes. Mm-hmm. A little town called Mammoth along the San Pedro River. Yep. Graduated from San Manuel High School back in the 70s. <laughs> and uh, I hope some of my Late old 70s. minor friends are listening. <laughs> so, nice. um, my story that I contributed, like Nancy said, is from 2013. Um, it, it's entitled Fire and Tragedy, Joe Thurston and the Granite Mountain Hotshots. So I'm sure all of you are aware of the, the horrible tragedy that happened in 2013. This group of uh, wildland firefighters were called to fight the Yarnell Hill Fire on June 30th, 2013, right near Yarnell, Arizona. And um, one of the firefighters was my cousin, Joe Thurston, mm. who happened to be from Cedar City, Utah. And he lived in uh, Prescott. But uh, he was descended from a couple of ranching families in Utah, the Biddlecombs and the Eckers. So he grew up a ranch kid. Uh, he very easily could have uh, gone into ranching. But instead, he had aspirations of becoming a brewery manager. That's why he ended up in Prescott. He worked for, uh, a, he wanted to become a brewmaster there for one of the breweries in Prescott. But instead, he caught the firefighting bug because he was called as a uh, part time firefighter about five years before 2013. Mm-hmm. So he then worked to become one of the Granite Mountain Hotshots which was one of his proudest moments when they actually made him a hotshot. He was very proud of his job. He loved fighting fires, protecting people's lives and property. And he was probably one of the lesser-known members of the Granite Mountain Hotshots. Mm -hmm. So with my story, I aim to tell a little bit about his life, of his growing up. He was a family man. He had two young sons, and how he ended up on that job. So um, it's, it's unfortunately the saddest story in this collection because 19 members of this crew ended up perishing mm-hmm. fighting that fire. Very, very sad. But it, it's one that I think, you know, young readers need to hear, and I hope they will remember it. Nobody should forget it because we, we can't forget their sacrifices. No, that would be... It's just a very tragic yeah. happening. Now, this book is uh, Why Cows Need Cowboys is going to be available the 1st of May on Amazon uh, or through Amazon. I suspect it's available 1st of May all over. Uh, is that right, ladies? It should be, yes. That's correct, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, we're, we're having... Um, 
the Western Writers Convention is going to be in uh, Loveland, Colorado in June, and we're having a launch party, but uh-huh. the oh. book will have launched actually before then, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. we're very excited. It's only a couple of weeks away. Okay, so I buy to... many, buy often. Yeah. I just wanted to look, <laughs> buy I'm... many and often. <laughs> oh, buy buy often. a whole bunch. You sound yeah. like a Chicago politician. Uh, <laughs> vote often, vote often. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I just wanted Rocky to know, and it's just this is kind of a sad uh, or bad news in a way. Uh, right now, we've got firefighters up at Dudleyville fighting a fire. They've evacuated Dudleyville. Uh, they've had the you last. You know, two I days. heard that. I I still get the San Manuel Miner newspaper. Okay. And I read about that fire. Hmm. Yeah. I'm very worried. So, yeah. Nancy, how long did it take you and Rocky to? compile these stories and take us through the you know, process of um, how this started. That's a really good question. I I don't even remember because it <laughs> seemed, well, we, we, we got the idea in um, 2019 and um, we started right years. away. What, Rocky? It's been a couple of years. Yeah, yeah it's been a couple of years. And a half years ago. Right, we started right away. Um, I'm in New Jersey and and you know, that Rocky calls me Jersey. So we, <laughs> yeah. But like we've had many, many phone calls. Um, we quickly compiled our list of uh, writers because that was the easy part. We have such a wealth of really wonderful writers in the organization. And um, we, we just, our only instruction for them was, well, a word count. They, these are short nonfiction pieces. Mm-hmm. And the only other instruction we gave them was to think of something really off the beaten track, some kind of, I like to call it, you know, the byway or the byroad mm-hmm, of, mm-hmm. of a big historical event. Um, and then um, the writers that we asked to participate sent in their ideas, and um, they were all good. And, and then, you know, they gradually the stories came filtering in and, and we worked on editing and and assembling illustrations. You know, a lot of great photographs in this book, and it was excuse me, it was just a real pleasure all the way through. It was and and I learned a lot. And and you know, Rocky's story obviously is incredibly sad and and extremely well done the way she way she presented it. And then some of the stories are incredibly funny, like the title story, "Why yes. Cows Need Cowboys." Um, Harry, I think you were talking about how you were laughing yes. out loud when you read it. <laughs> yeah, both my uh, wife Larry and I. Larry Norris wrote that one. Yeah. And but, it's about um, a young cowboy learning how to chase wild mm-hmm. longhorns in the in the brushy southwest where it's all thorns. <laughs> East Texas. <laughs> Every time I would read Twisted vegetation. When I would read that, I would think of uh, our, our late friend Joe Dreyfus. Uh, who uh, he he grew up on a ranch. He he did all that stuff, and I I just every time I'd read something like that, I, I would think of Joe and how he would have reacted to some of those things. You know, it, it, what that you know in a way too. That was the great story to start with because there's no cowboy in anywhere in the United States or in the world like East Texas. Mm-hmm. It is uh, it is the. Yeah, those, those are supposed to be the really tough cowboys. Yeah, if you can do that, kid, I think you yeah. probably can do any cowboy. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and then you know, we we just, I mean, the stories were a delight. There's one on the Pony Express,
Well, well that's like Quackgrass Valley. Let's get let's do the Pony Express story, but first let's take a break here, and because I sense we're going to get involved in something lengthy, and we're at that <laughs> point in time where we've got to do that. So Mail's we're going to do that. Our guests, uh, Nancy Plain, Rocky Gibbons. We're talking about why cows need cowboys here on Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. We'll be back. Arizona, the land of cattle, copper, and cowboys. It's also the true West, where a large number of Westerns were filmed. For your next vacation, come out to where Wyatt Earp made a name for himself as a highly respected sheriff. Stay where Jimmy Stewart filmed Winchester 73. That would be the White Stallion Ranch. Situated in the mountains just northwest of Tucson, the White Stallion Ranch is an award-winning dude ranch with 43 guest rooms and a hacienda. That's a five-bedroom, three-bathroom home, perfect for larger families, family reunions, and girlfriend getaways. Every guest room has a private patio with views of the cactus gardens, mountains, or corrals. Generous floor plans offer sunny, comfortable rooms, but you won't want to stay in your room. Outdoor activities are plentiful at the White Stallion Ranch. Horseback riding, hiking, shooting, archery, rock climbing, e-biking, and a weekly ranch rodeo are among the numerous activities that you'll enjoy on your ranch vacation. Go Western for your next getaway. The White Stallion Ranch. Book your vacation now online at whitestallionranch.com or call 520-297-0252. Imus Wilkinson Investments, 777-1911, is a unique investment management firm. They pay little attention to where the market indicators are because smart investment management goes way beyond check and stock exchanges. They are very good at managing all types of investment based on client expectations. They build relationships, and they want clients, not customers. My family is proudly included among them, and they'll help you, as they did us, design a portfolio that achieves what you want when you need it. Imus Wilkinson Investments, they're really good at what they do. 777-1911. America, let me tell you about Sergeant Greg Anderson. Served two tours in Afghanistan, Bronze Star and Purple Heart recipient, and unemployed. The unemployment rate among transitioning service members is unacceptably high, much higher than the general population. Veterans are a proven commodity. They're mature, reliable, and hardworking. They deserve a chance to get back to work after serving their country. Do you really want to honor a veteran? Hire one. Go to legion.org slash honor veterans to find out how you can help. Coming to you from the great southwestern United States. Yes, sir, Bob. This is the Voices of the West. Oh, we're gonna let go. The cattle roundup is over. Let's go, we're gonna let go. There's no more need staying so. We're back on Abel Franzi's Voices of the West. Let's go. The <laughs> roundup is over. Yeah, you're going to get back to the little sagebrush. There you go. We're talking with the Western Riders of America authors Nancy Plain and Rocky Gibbons, and uh, the uh, book that they have just put together here as editors uh, and contributors called Why Cows Need Cowboys. Harry Alexander, Bunker to France, and Todd Roberts on Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. Before we get into the Pony Express, I wanted to yes, point sir. out something to the ladies that I bet they didn't, they probably know it, but they didn't think about it. But, you know, when you look at the front cover and you got those six illustrations, there's a game there. It's named the story from this picture on the cover. There you go. And it, it's, you know, I looked at it and I did all five of them real quick, and then I looked at the one 
with the horseback rider and I went Pony Express and I looked closer and I said, no, I don't think so. I think that's Katie Jennings. So <laughs> am I right, ladies, or am I wrong? I think you're right. I think that's Katie Jennings on the cover. Oh, yeah. But didn't that be a yeah, great the, game the for runaway the runaway scrape during the Alamo, during the Texas Revolution. That's a great one. Yeah. Todd, you, you got know, any? I, I don't really recall a story in here about somebody fighting a mountain lion, one of the other stories. But uh, uh, let me there were some tough, tough guys in here. Todd, you got anything you want to throw in there? Oh, yeah. I would love to ask the ladies, either one of them or both, that which is the story that surprised you the most, that you were, like, completely caught off guard and that you either thought it was completely different or had never heard of it at all? Um, that's a great question. I think, well, I think the one about the buffalo jump that, um, mm. By Matt Mayo, that takes place in 500 BC, is something I never knew a thing about. But um, I think it, it's a hard question to answer because some of them are just—I mean, they're all just really fascinating in their own way. And all I, I love the, the um, Joe Bruchak story about the Navajo code talkers of World That's War Two. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I, I was aware of most of the stories here. I think the one that I that really took me by surprise is the title one, Why Cows Need Cowboys by Larry Bjornson, just because it's so funny. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And unexpected. <laughs> and here's an anecdote for you. Um, Candace Simar wrote about the grasshopper plagues in the Great Plains of the 1870s. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they were horrific. And, and the grasshoppers wiped out everything. And uh, uh, fun little anecdote, maybe not so much fun if you were actually there, but there were so many dead grasshoppers on the train tracks that yeah. the tracks were too slippery for the trains to wow. run. That, <laughs> you know, that's, that's what I mean about history. You know, I, I often think when I'm reading good history that it's stranger than fiction, and I, and I really believe that. Mm. Well, you know, that's uh, a good example, because when I read that, because I, yeah, like I said, I read everything, and and I knew about the grasshopper plagues and everything, but I didn't yeah. know that there was an early early snow. They headed out to the Atlantic Ocean, and it was over. I mean, it, you know, we still get grasshopper, yeah. but it was over. It was just this is you know like a three, four short years of really terror for the prairie. Well, and the grasshoppers came back to revisit, too. Yeah, but they've come back to revisit. Not like that. Not to that extent, no, but uh, still. Uh, All right. Here's a a fun little anecdote. They're coming to New Jersey (laughs) this summer, but not the the Rocky Mountain type, I don't think. Everything ends up in New Jersey. But, you know, it's a mystery. Well, you know, in New Mexico, we get the grasshoppers are so big. How big are they? Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) They're bigger your thumb's bigger than mine, but they're bigger than your thumb, and they are huge. Well, we used and to, they're a meal in themselves. We used to tie strings around grasshoppers in Alaska and fly them around like model airplanes. <laughs> let's go. Let's t- <laughs> we didn't do that. that like uh, fun. Did that to beetles when I was a kid. Uh, the giant green beetles that uh, in the summertime you'd catch them, tie strings to them. Maybe <laughs> tie enough beetles on it and find a small enough kid you could send them to the next county. Yeah, exactly. You could strafe them and whatnot. And <laughs> let's talk about that. Pony Express rider story because I sense that's a good, it'd be a good one there. Oh, that's a good one. Um, that was written by 
our member, our longtime member, Quackgrass Sally. And Greatest name. She um, is a, an expert rider in her own right. And not only does she tell about the actual Pony Express and, and one of the first, I guess, the first guy, young guy, who, who rode the first stretch of it, um, going from east to west, and right now I don't recall his name, but in her story she also talks about how she and a bunch of other people carried the Olympic torch. Um, There's a modern-day XP Pony Express group, and they were... And she's a member of that, yeah. She Mm. is, and and they carried the Olympic torch for a stretch um, through Nebraska, and she tells in her story about how... um, they, they, the Olympic torch was had been tested against windy conditions, and it was supposed to not be able to be blown out. But the wind <laughs> in Nebraska was so intense that, that I think that they had to carry special lanterns. Wow. It's just, um, no one had bargained for the wind in Nebraska, is what I'm trying to <laughs> yeah. explain. And um, oh, over. it sounds like quite an adventure, but that, that's a great story, too. There I mean, is... they're all great, and it's really hard to pick... The etching um, in you that. need to talk about your story, too, Nancy. Nancy's story about Solomon Butcher is actually taken from her Spur Award-winning book, Light on the Prairie, about Solomon Butcher. Talk about yours, too. Well, I, I will. I'd be happy to. Um, <laughs> does anyone know that picture of the cow on the roof, of the sod roof? That's one of my favorites. There, there's a famous picture that um, a lot of people know. It's There's a cow standing on a on top of a Saudi, um, but a lot of people don't know the name of the photographer, and that was Solomon Butcher. So my contribution was about his work, and he was just a regular guy from the East who came out to Nebraska, to Custer County, in 1880 with his family, and he became a sod buster, and he hated farming. He really hated it, so but he loved to take pictures. So he just kind of abandoned the cornfield and hooked up um, a darkroom in his little wagon and drove all over the prairie taking pictures of the pioneers. And long story short, he created, in doing this, um, the best record we have of the Sodhouse era of the Great Plains. Hmm. Um, and he just... Um, he photographed the pioneers doing cattle ranching and standing in front of their little sod houses and riding horses and doing everything they did. And he really captured that whole era. That cannot be an easy. That cannot be an easy feat to accomplish either. Uh, I'm guessing that uh, photography is still a relatively new medium, and to convince somebody to pose for the camera or continue doing what you're doing and don't don't mind this camera. I mean, you know, that... Well, that, that was just as the beginning of the glass plates were coming in. Yes. Which simplified it. That's yeah. right. But yeah. it glass wasn't plate, simple. Yep. No, no, not simple by any stretch. You know, and, you and look like at that today. picture, and it's so, it tells such a story, the cow on the roof, yeah. the whole family there. You see the son and probably his wife. I love the fact that they're on the table is a watermelon. Mm-hmm. You know, it tells you that. It's summertime. And, you, they, and they're pro- they got a, a good-looking team. They got them hooked up, full harness. Uh, it's just, you know, the, the stories that and you that, can that, get when you investigate the pictures. And they got windows 
which means they're successful. Mm. A glass in the window. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yep. Yeah. And, and you know, it, it's funny talking about that kind of old-type photography. It, it was, um, they couldn't really capture, uh, it was, the exposure, the light exposure was slow. So mm-hmm. that's why yeah. in some of Solomon Butcher's pictures, it looks as if a dog has two heads. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, a kid has two oh, heads because they're moving normal. when he's trying to right, expose right. the photograph. And it's. He also had a great sense of humor, so he he drew on his picture. Mm-hmm. There was something missing. He he just if he wanted a, a flock of ducks in the air and it wasn't actually <laughs> there, he drew it on the, the negative. So he, nice. He was, he was famous guy. for his grasshoppers. <laughs> That's nice. Yeah, exactly. That is and funny. and he he never really thought of himself as an artist. He was just a guy. He was a regular guy, but um. He well, really did something important. As the great Kinky Friedman says, art is in the eyes of the beer holder. <laughs> well, you know, the funny thing, too, is he called it his history here, here. scheme. Yeah. Scheme. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 That is so cool. Let's talk about the uh, uh, Indian uh, Plains Indian girl who trekked 1,400 miles to visit Washington, D.C. back in 1821. What was the motivation behind that? Rocky, you want to talk about that? Um, okay, just a little bit. Um, her name was Eagle of Delight, and that story is also taken from Jean Lukish's Spur Award-winning book called Eagle of Delight, The Plains Indian Girl in the White House. And she actually went along with her husband. Her husband was a chief. And she went along just to accompany him, and then she turned out when she when they got to Washington to kind of win the hearts of of the Washingtonians over, and they just loved her. They loved to see her walking around the streets, hmm. and and she got her portrait painted just along with the chiefs. So it's one of the uh, portraits that now hangs in the White House, hmm. uh, consigned by Jackie Kennedy. Jackie Kennedy brought all of those portraits home. To be in the library there at the White House. It's it's a really wonderful story, and it's sad because she they had had no longer gotten home. They had only been home maybe a month. She ended up dying oh. of I think uh, consumption or one of the diseases Smallpox. Wow. that was running rampant through there. It's an excellent story. and her famous red dress. Hmm. Yeah, in the right. famous red well, we dress. We need and to she talk was, about. I, I believe she was an Oto Indian. Mm-hmm. You know, we need to talk about, because this is one of my favorite stories and per- favorite characters in the book, at Stagecoach Mary Fields. And we'll talk about her right after our break. Okay. We'll do that, because I wanted to talk about that as well. This is uh, Emil Franzi's America, um, Voices of the West. American West. <laughs> Voices of the West. I don't have no idea where Welcome the hell to I my am. World. I know. Uh, I'm Harry Alexander. Bunker to France is here. Todd Roberts is in Los Angeles. Our guests are Nancy Plain and Rocky Gibbons. They are editors of a new book uh, available the first of May, and it's called "Why Cows Need Cowboys." And uh, you know, there's always a rhyme or reason behind it. So we'll be back with much more on the show right after these messages. Stay tuned. When looking for a property management company, here are some things you should consider. How long has the company been in business? 
What types of properties can they manage for you? And does the company give back to the community? Well, your search is over. The Polash Management Company meets and exceeds those considerations. They've been in business in Tucson, Arizona since the 1960s. They manage all types of properties throughout Arizona and elsewhere, from residential to commercial to public sector properties. The Polash Management Company also dedicates its time and resources to numerous community projects, including help funding the drive for the USS Arizona Memorial at the University of Arizona. You also want a property management company that puts you, the customer, first. Contact the Polash Management Company today at polashmanagement.com and ask about the complete package or call 520-795-2100. That's 520-795-2100. The Polash Management Company, property managers you can trust. Can you even imagine switching back to pen and paper to run your business? Every year we become more and more dependent upon our technology. If your network is not set up properly, you're just one click or one email away from losing data critical to your operation. Arizona Computer Guru offers a host of services to prevent and protect you from disaster. From online backup services to email filtering to fully managed network services, Arizona Computer Guru is here to keep your network secure, your data safe, and your budget in the black. To schedule your free consultation, call 304-8300. The Tucson Trap and Ski Club dates from 1948 and is now at 7800 West Old Ajo Highway. The club owns 80 acres and leases 300 more from Pima County that supports 50 trap fields, 15 skeet fields, two five-stand fields, two sporting place courses with 12 stations each, a 9,000-square-foot clubhouse, 200 full-service RV hookups for members, and free Wi-Fi. This expansive facility gives enough room to host major national and international events annually, bringing thousands of people to the community. Check it out at TucsonTrapAndSkeet.com. Hi everyone, it's Susan McRae and welcome to Chaparral Roundup. As you know, I've postponed the March event to October 1st, 2nd, and 3rd so we can all relax, have a great time with great dinners, a great lunch at the White Stallion Ranch, Q&A panels, screenings of a couple of our favorite High Chaparral shows, the documentary of Kent McRae so we can honor him during his favorite reunion. And we have a great silent auction to benefit the Robert F. Hoy and Kiva Hoy charity at the Tucson Medical Center. If you're already registered for March, you're automatically registered for October. But if you're not, you better register by September 17th. I look forward to seeing you all, and so does Don, with his confessions of an acting cowboy. You'll have fun. See you in October for the Chaparral Roundup at Lodge on the Desert in Tucson, Arizona. Hi, folks. Stan Ivar here. This is John Carter on Little House. Little House, a new beginning to be exact. And you're listening to Voices of the West. This is the Voices of the West. Back on Emil Franzi's Voices of the West, Harry Alexander, Bunker de France, and Todd Roberts in Los Angeles. And of course, that's the uh, theme to your show there, Mr. De France. Hi, Shapiro, about the lawyers in the West. Hi, Shapiro. And his best friend, Buckaroo Berkowitz. (laughs) Guys, ladies, you see what I have, you hear what I have to deal with on a weekly basis here. Uh, 
Nancy Plain and Rocky Gibbons are the uh, guests. Our guests. Uh, we're talking about why cows need cowboys. This is a new anthology uh, out uh, on the first of May, and it's uh, designed for young readers. But you don't have to be young to read it or enjoy it. <laughs> you know, I want to add something to that. You know, some of the biggest, biggest, biggest sellers in the last few years have been young adults. Yeah. The young adult novels. Yeah. There's nothing. You know, you're not writing down to adults when you're writing to kids. No. When you write intelligently. Well, yeah, and make it fun. Mm-hmm. And that, and that, and that's uh, what this is all about. It, 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 it they're, it's fun to read these. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so it's just so much. It's so delightful that all these little nuggets and jewels and little. Lots of bubbling oil. Let's get into that first black American female stagecoach driver. Who was she and how'd she get the job and where'd she drive? This is a great story. (laughs) This this is it. Um, The title of it is Stagecoach Mary Fields, Tough and Tender Woman of the West. And it's by WWA member Mickey Milam writing as Vaughn McKee. And by the way, I should tell you that um, Mickey has sung at Grand Old Opry. She is a professional singer yes, and songwriter. Yes. And nice. She's just multi talented. And she so, sings um, at the uh, conventions. Uh, yes, she does in the roundup yeah. room. Yeah. 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 She plays the keyboards and sings. <laughs> she's, she's one of the main attractions, right? <laughs> right, Rocky? Yeah, she and is. She's great. And she's so, cute as a bug. This story. Um, if you don't mind, I'll read you the first two please, paragraphs. Yeah, please, please, please. Okay. Um, here's how it starts. The wolves may have been following for miles. It's hard to tell in a Montana snowstorm. Although the wagon driver knew the road to the mission school well, swirling snow and a darkening sky obscured the rugged, narrow lane. The freight wagon was loaded with supplies and foodstuffs for the nuns, the workers, and the Blackfeet Indian girls who lived at St. Peter's Mission. Shadows crossed the lane. Wolves. The horses reared, and in seconds, the scene turned chaotic. So that's how it begins. Mm. Um, and what an interesting life. Um, yeah. Stagecoach Maryfields was born a slave in, um, I think that it is in, in Tennessee. Tennessee. Yeah. Tennessee. And she had a very peripatetic life and her early life, she um, spent time in Virginia and Ohio, and I, I believe it was in Ohio, after the Civil War, when the slaves were freed, she was free to travel around, and I believe that it was in Ohio, she, she had a job as a janitor in a convent, um, got very close, made good friends with the nuns there and the Mother Superior, I believe, and... Then the convent moved out to Montana. Mary Fields followed. And she had a very interesting life there. She was quite a character. She dressed in men's clothes, smoked a cigar, carried a rifle, um, cursed and fought and got into barroom brawls. (laughs) And um, at the age of 63... Uh, tried out for a job as a stagecoach driver in Montana and could out-harness, out-drive all the men who also tried out for the job. She got the job. And um, there are all kinds of funny anecdotes in the story, as in, you know, she would 
be driving the stagecoach, and some of the passengers didn't even know she was a woman. She was very big bone. She was large woman, dressed like a man, and especially in those days when women weren't doing that kind of thing, mm-hmm. um, she was unique, and she was became beloved in the town of Cascade, Montana, and uh, what a life. There's and, a couple of things I'd like to say about her, because yeah. of that opening, you know, when you're talking about the wolves and everything, the wagon turned over, and she made it through the knife, stood off the wolves, and then all by herself, and this is a freight wagon, and that's true, you're talking several tons of stuff. Now, most of the stuff probably fell out, but by herself, she lifted the wagon back up on her Good on its great. wheels. Wow. That is awesome. That shows you how strong she was. Right. And the other thing, which was neat, I thought, was uh, in that period between Tennessee and going out to Montana, she worked as a maid on the Robert E. Lee steamboat, and she was on board when they had the famous uh, steamboat race between the Robert E. Lee and the Natchez. No. And it was, I mean, they were they threw every the furniture, the <laughs> hams, bacon's in there, and the Lee set a record wow. that has not been broken. Interesting. So that's just the things that you know. It was not all that uncommon for for women to. Um, I won't say impersonate men, but dresses men and perform manly tasks, if you will. There are a number of accounts of uh, Civil War soldiers on both sides uh, who were thought to be men and later discovered to be women yeah. uh, when they were in the uh, home for the soldiers and they died, and that's when they find out found out that they were uh, that person happened to be a woman. You know, one of the things. I well, like. one such was uh, another one that was like Stagecoach Mary was Charlie Parkhurst, who was known as One One Eyed Charlie, who was also she was a white woman and she drove a stagecoach, and uh, as well and lost it an eye during all those hmm. wild and woolly days. Smoked a cigar, drank whiskey, and dressed like a man. Hmm. But people did know she was a woman. So you're right, hmm. and that's what's great about this book is it it's. It's it really goes back to th- our show three weeks ago, Harry. Of mm-hmm. let's reframe the uh, yeah. the discussion over all of this that's going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, too, the interesting thing too. I love the contradiction because you know most of the time when you're talking about something like this, people go to uh, Calamity Jane, right? Who was a, this is a very sad story. The Mary is a very positive story. Yeah. It's, it's you know, mm-hmm. it's, you, you talk about, yeah. of all the women, she probably in many ways, race, age. Uh, sex. Sex. And she, she thrived on it. Yeah. She, you know, she, and, and from the way it reads, she, re, she sounded like she was an equal. Well, I certainly wouldn't tangle with her. <laughs> <laughs> Not if you wanted to keep your nose. Yeah, she sounded really fearless. Yeah, she? I mean, they're, they're, you know, I, I'll, I'll see women in commercials and uh, bodybuilders or whatnot. My wife says, "What do you think of that?" I said, "I got no. She'll beat me up." <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Well, well, Mary Fields was six foot, six feet tall, wow. two hundred pounds. Damn, that 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 is huge for a woman. Especially six back feet. It is. Yeah. yeah. But she also grew pansies. She loved to grow pansies. Yes. So she had a really soft side. Yeah, she liked kids. She loved kids. I I, I did not, I was not able to read that story. What was her lifespan? Um, Uh, I think like Um, 60 some odd years, wasn't it? 
I think it was, yeah, 60, 62. You know, I'm looking through. I have it right in front of me, right? I I had it in front of me, and I I moved over to another adventure here. Oh, she died in 1914. Oh, she had a good one. Huh. She saw Isn't a lot that of interesting? Change. So she lived to, to see a lot of history. World War One. She, she saw a lot of history, man. <laughs> wow. Yeah, hey, uh, I think oh, that, yeah. that, interesting that, lady. that is so. That is what's so cool about the the period, eighteen nineties to about nineteen ten or so, and all the this this the West is changing, and mm-hmm. uh, there's all of these newfangled inventions coming out. Uh, you know what? You're going to point that box at me, and then I can watch a movie later. <laughs> you know that to me. You're right. That to me is the greatest era because you've got darkest Africa, you've got yeah. unknown yeah. South America, yeah. you've got the mysterious East. Right. It's just at every, and, and in all of the inventions and and technology that's yeah. exploding. It's just right. an awesome era. All right, let's talk. And you know. Um, Go ahead. I think about. Um, Solomon Butcher and the pioneers that he knew, he came out there to Nebraska in 1880. There were no trains coming into Custer County then. Mm -hmm. Um, But by the time he was sort of tired of photography and and kind of easing out of that mode of life, there were cars in Nebraska. And so he, he actually knew pioneers who came out there with a couple of dollars in their pockets. There's one man he photographed who came out with $12 in his pocket in the 1880s, and by, I would say, 1910, this same pioneer had a large Victorian gingerbread-carved mm-hmm. house and, and a thriving farm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and they, you know, these... You know, the People from, like stagecoach Mary and Solomon Butcher lived to see these great changes. Yeah, I, you know, that coal so for cool. supper fits right into that. You know, with the the migration of the Jews out there uh, into Colorado and what they went mm-hmm. through, even though it was an unsuccessful, uh, ex, you know, adventure, uh, it was still, you know, the railroad was part of the story, and you know, it's. All these things is—it's like a web. They all—they're all wove together. Well, yeah, it's a, like a Navajo blanket. It's like what the seven, seven degrees, yeah. six or seven degrees of separation, something like that. Mm-hmm. Everything is interwoven. Everything's related to, to uh, Francis Bacon. There you go. Oh, that's the wrong bacon. Wrong bacon. We're talking with uh, Nancy Plain and Rocky Gibbons about their new anthology, Why Cows Need Cowboys. And we will answer that question after we come back from our uh, last commercial break here. This is Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. I'm Harry Alexander. Bunker to France is here. Todd Roberts is in Los Angeles. We will be back right after these commercial messages. Stay tuned. Arizona, the land of cattle, copper, and cowboys. It's also the true west where a large number of westerns were filmed. For your next vacation, come out to where Wyatt Earp made a name for himself as a highly respected sheriff. Stay where Jimmy Stewart filmed Winchester 73. That would be the White Stallion Ranch. Situated in the mountains just northwest of Tucson, the White Stallion Ranch is an award-winning dude ranch with 43 guest rooms and the Hacienda, 
that's a five-bedroom, three-bathroom home, perfect for larger families, family reunions, and girlfriend getaways. Every guest room has a private patio with views of the cactus gardens, mountains, or corrals. Generous floor plans offer sunny, comfortable rooms, but you won't want to stay in your room. Outdoor activities are plentiful at the White Stallion Ranch. Horseback riding, hiking, shooting, archery, rock climbing, e-biking, and a weekly ranch rodeo are among the numerous activities that you'll enjoy on your ranch vacation. Go Western for your next getaway. The White Stallion Ranch. Book your vacation now online at whitestallionranch.com or call 520-297-0252. Imus Wilkinson Investments, 777-1911, is a unique investment management firm. They pay little attention to where the market indicators are because smart investment management goes way beyond check and stock exchanges. They are very good at managing all types of investment based on client expectations. They build relationships, and they want clients, not customers. My family is proudly included among them, and they'll help you, as they did us, design a portfolio that achieves what you want when you need it. Imus Wilkinson Investments, they're really good at what they do. 777-1911. Hello, I'm Mr. Red. No doubt you've heard about rescue groups for dogs and cats, but did you know there's a rescue group for horses? That's right, it's called Horse It Around Rescue. Founders Steve Boyce and Teresa Worrell are helping out all those equine victims of neglect and cruelty by giving them a place to restore their health and wellness. And Horse It Around provides a nurturing and natural environment where horses can be horses, so they can be adopted out into forever homes. More than 120 horses, mules, and donkeys have been adopted out, but like everything else, it costs money to run the project. Horse It Around is a 501c3 nonprofit located in Southeast Arizona. Your tax-deductible donations to Horse It Around will go a long way so those horses can be horses. Check out the website, horseitaroundrescue.org. Make a difference in a horse's life. That's horseitaroundrescue.org. Hi, this is Craig Morgan with a special message for all those who have served in the U.S. Army. The National Museum of the United States Army, to be built at Fort Belvoir, Virginia, will include the Soldier's Registry, an electronic record of Americans who have worn the Army uniform, recognizing their service. I've already added my story to the registry. I hope you'll add yours. To learn more and to make your story a permanent part of the National Army Museum, visit armyhistory.org. Read classic Western comics anytime at voicesofthewest.net. You can talk about your line counts where the springs run rock and ride. You can sing about chuck wagons where the grub is always high. But in case I want my comfort, and that's a chronic case, you'll always find me hanging around the old home place. Oh, the old home place. It isn't big at all. <laughs> We're back on Abel Franzi's Voices of the West. Smiley and Smiley and Old home place. Uh, welcome back to Abel Franzi's Voices of the West. Harry Alexander Bunker de France and Todd Roberts in Los Angeles. We're talking with uh, Nancy Plain and Rocky Gibbons, who are the um, co-editors of uh, this new book out uh, coming out May 1st of this year. It's called Why Cows Need a Cowboys. And ladies, this has been a, a very fun interview. It's a very fun book. And now we're going to answer that musical question. Bunker, why 
cows? Why do cows need cowboys? Well, in the words <laughs> of Larry Bornson, well, cows ain't too smart. <laughs> you know. Well, I'll add to that that the smartest cow you'll ever meet can't add two plus two. There you go. And that means four feet. Uh, yeah. You, you know, ladies, <laughs> Bunker and I were talking uh, during the break that any one of these stories would make a really cool little movie or video vignette of some fashion. Uh, a PBS special. Yeah, some sort of, you know, because it's just so doggone fun. You know, I have a theory. If, and could, could we have Bunker be the stunt man? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh hey, yeah. I'll fall off I the page. The I, I do that all the time. Yeah, he'll anyway. fall down, but don't expect to get him get yeah, back I'm up. Enough to, to. Yeah. <laughs> 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 we we had so much fun doing this, compiling this book. I can't, I can't even tell yeah. you. Well, speaking of fun, one of the most fun things in the cowboy world is rodeo. Mm-hmm. And there's a story in here about Earl Bascom and his bronco-busting brothers, fathers of modern rodeo. And I'll tell you what, that's a story that needs to really, that needs, that needs its, a, its own. Well, you know, I have a theory that if we could get talk PBS into doing Masterpiece Theater of the West and using those kind of values in production, because... You'll look at any of the any of the British things, mm-hmm. and they are masterpieces. And our, these stories are, are in their own way, little masterpieces, little jewels. Well, there's bunches of new Western movies coming out now, and uh, uh, I've been watching uh, this group of them. Uh, it, the synopsis always starts out one of one of the westerns made in twelve months, one of twelve westerns made in twelve months, and they're actually pretty good. Um, you know, for, for the new stuff. Uh, yeah. so anyway, I digress. Well, you know, they're, they're they're not telling the old story in the old way. They're yeah. telling the old story in, in a, a new way. way. Yeah. So, ladies, have you had any uh, uh, initial reactions to to this publication? Well, Rocky, we we got a great review on Amazon, didn't we? Yes, we did. We picked it up right away. Yeah, it was really good. Um, Gosh, I don't have it up in front of me here. I don't either, but it it was good. Amazing short story. Here it is. Amazing short stories. I don't believe there's a bad one in the bunch. I really love short stories, as I can enjoy them when I only have a few moments to spare. These range from the tribal to the historical, fiction to fact. Began browsing them and ended up just reading through. Really great writing and thoroughly engaging. Kudos to all. This is from Catherine Hankins of NetGalley Review. You know, I love reading stories in my shorts. Thank you, Catherine. <laughs> yes, we love you, Catherine. We love you. Yeah, that, that, that makes us really happy. Hey, ladies, I, want, I got a question for you here. Uh, sure. How does this tie in with the Packing the West uh, project that the WWA is doing? I think it's, it's a great tie-in because it goes to... Well, Packing the West is a wonderful initiative started... Um, by Chris Ensign and Jim Crutchfield as part of the Homestead Foundation, which is our fundraising and award-giving function, part of Western Writers of America. And and the whole um, mission of Packing the West is to introduce kids to Western history, 
Um, and I think that they have divided the history into four different uh, topics. There are trails and uh, Western trails, Indian um, theme, women in the West, women. and and then oh, mountain uh, legends. What is something about legendary characters of the West? Yeah. In short, it's it's just um, a program where Western Writers of America members are going to go into the schools and. Uh, teach kids about any one of those four topics and carry with them a reproduction artifacts of, of the times and and bring books and even leave books in the classrooms for the kids to enjoy mm-hmm. later. So this anthology will be presented um, in some of those programs for Packing the West, and it's all about somehow giving our love for Western history and our love for the American West, giving that to the younger generations. And it's really important that we keep that alive because that's our whole mission. And we we really think that the West and its stories are are just a a really important part of the American spirit. And so that's the tie-in. It it really all fits together really well. Do you think there will be a a second edition to come, uh, or a second anthology? I was just going to ask that. Do you have enough stories to make up another one? More cows needing cowboys? (laughs) (laughs) What do you say, Rocky? 10 or 20 years, maybe? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe sooner. You know, we, we have... We, we have, have so many good writers, we could fill a, a bunch of anthologies. Well, you guys got over 600 yeah, writers. I it's think a possibility. That, that comes out yeah. to about 40 books, I think. Huh. <laughs> Todd, got anything? Well, I just I think this is this book is such a pleasure, and I want to know if I can buy a copy and get you both ladies to sign it somehow. I'm going to give a copy to my, my grandnephew, my great-nephew, who is three years old now, and his name's J.P., and I'm going to try to divert his attention and love of uh, monster trucks into the West. <laughs> so his father's a little bit of a cowboy, so I might have a shot. There you go. So. Well, put a cowboy in one of those monster trucks. Hey, just make them monster stagecoaches. Davey, Davey uh, Rocket drove a monster truck to the Alamo. I want you to know. <laughs> Do you guys have Venmo, Vimo? Um, I don't. Okay. But you well, know what? Um, send us send us your your address, and you know we'll we'll get you a book. Yeah, Harry's got both okay. of our um, yeah our email yeah, we'll addresses. Well. Yeah, Todd, we'll I'll, I'll send you their emails. We'll, we'll sign mine. Fabulous. Yeah. Right. Fabulous. So we'll we'll put a book Thank in the you. mail to you. That would be our pleasure. Absolutely. How cool! You gotta, it's hard to compete with those trucks, though. I I, I know what you mean. <laughs> Well, a little short story. I, I finally got my six-year-old grandson to watch a western, and it was uh, uh, he's got ADD, so it's really difficult to keep him in front of a TV unless it's uh, Thomas the Train or some such thing. And so I got him right. to watch the uh, the Great Train Robbery, uh, the, you know, the, the Great Silent. And uh, there's a scene in there where they all come out. Uh, the uh, the uh, bad guys have everybody out of the train, and they're all uh, raising their hands. And my grandson questions. Maybe they don't have any questions. Why do they have to raise their hands? <laughs> so, you know, whatever. At least I got them really to watch funny. 10 minutes worth. Ladies, thank you so much for joining us. This has been such a pleasure. This has been a wonderful show. Yes. Thank you for yes. having us. It's been great fun. Yes, well, indeed. Well, why don't we, 
we next year have dinner at Highfalutin. Uh, you know, Absolutely. let's do it. We're on. We're, we've, yeah. we've had dinner there with Bunker before. Yeah. Yes. If the book festival comes back, uh, let's uh, we'll make a date. We'll just do that. All right. We are plumb out of time. Thank you so much, Nancy Plain, Rocky Gibbons. Appreciate it. Todd Roberts, thank you. Bunker to France, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We are done. We'll be back with you next Saturday. Bad. Same bat time, same bat channel. Same batty people. <laughs> same batty people. 78, 79. So long, everybody. Thanks for listening to Emil Franzing's Voices of the West.